our dear Father and Master, we thank you once again for your mercies and your faithfulness unto us. Our Father, we have come to learn at your feet. Our Lord, our prayer, O God, is that you not only challenge us with your word, but that you change our lives with your word. Father, we pray that you will minister to us. The King of glory, Lord God Almighty, by the time we are through with this study, our Lord and our Father, Lord, you would have by your Spirit made impacts that Lord God Almighty, O God, that will make us agents of revival in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We thank God for another opportunity to study the word together. Our topic for today's study is the first century church case study of genuine revival. The first century church case study of genuine revival. And we'll take our text from Acts chapter 2, from verse 42 to 47. It's a Bible study, so it's going to be participatory. Acts chapter 2, from verse 42 to 47. If you see the place you read. Acts chapter 2, from verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The aim of this study is to examine the characteristics or the qualities of the early church and to draw examples from their lifestyle that will help the church today to be revived. Introduction. The Flaming Herald defines revival as when the saints return to normal. When the saints return to what they were known for. When the Holy Spirit becomes their oxygen. The Holy Spirit becomes the life support of the people of God. When a hunger to know God is the norm. That is the usual thing. People are hungry to know God. When being conformed to the image of Jesus is their focus. Nobody feels I have known him. So it's now time to relax. Everybody is seeking to be like him. To, to conform to his image. When evangelism and discipleship become a lifestyle. Nobody is cajoled to evangelize. Nobody is told to tell his neighbor that Jesus saves. No. You know, it's just natural with the people of God. You know, too. It flows from their life to evangelize. Undoubtedly, these were the qualities of the early church. And no wonder they were able to turn the world upside down. In quote. They were able to change the world system, the world. Even though there were not too many then. But because of the way they lived their lives, they were able to change a lot of things. The church today has a lot to learn from the early church. To be in a position to play her role and influence her generation for God. I mean, if there's a time that the church will really need to be revived, if there's a time that the church will need to help the world that is, that is dying, that is decaying, it is now. And our prayers that the Lord will help us to play that role in Jesus' name. May the Lord help us through this study to encounter him and to experience genuine revival. Praise the Lord. Amen. We'll go straight to the questions for discussion. Except anybody has something to add to the introduction. 
Praise the Lord. Question one. Identify the qualities of the first century church from the following passages. The first one, Acts 2, 42-47, we have read. You can just read it again. And if you read a passage, you just identify one or two things there, and then another person reads the next passage. We'll go, we'll take it like that. Acts 2, 42-47. Acts chapter 2, from verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Okay, from verse 42, one of their, or their qualities from there is, um, or are, the devotion to the teachings from the Bible and constant fellowshipping. They always stayed together, prayed together, meditated together, and did everything in one accord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Any other quality, any other quality from that passage before we go to the next passage? They shared everything they had in common. Yes, they shared the things they had in common. Any other quality from that passage? Yes. They have time for things that concerns God. Prayers, the teaching, they make out time for them. Yes, they have time for the things of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching, to prayers, to fellowship, breaking of bread. Praise the Lord. Yes, the second passage. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts 4, 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So they were characterized with boldness, despite that you couldn't say they were rich or they went to school. They were not afraid of anything. They were bold and preached the word without fear. Of Praise fear. the Lord. They were bold. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, in that passage, it is also important to note that this boldness and the other characteristics did not come from nowhere. They had been with Jesus. So that was really what I think is the key thing. Yes, praise the Lord. Because, they have been, because the Bible said that the people knew they had been with Jesus. Because of the boldness they exhibited. So their being with Jesus was as a result of them. Their being bold was as a result of their being with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Then first, then Acts 13, 5 to 12. Acts 13, 5 to 12. Acts 13, 5-12 And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. And when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now and indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. From here we see clearly that they were continuously preaching the word. It was a daily consistent thing. 
And as they were preaching, the Spirit of the Lord was also so much in them that they could manifest the power of the Spirit at any point in time. Being filled with the Spirit, of course. When that, um, the, uh, the sorcerer came to withhold them, and the Spirit of the Lord, of course, manifested His presence because they were ready. They were in tune with Him. And um, the, because of this clear show of power of the Holy Spirit, the people were astonished and they believed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Any other, any other contribution to that? Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, this particular passage we read also portrays what we read before in the Acts the Act of Apostles, chapter 2. Remember that 43 said that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were performing wonders. The same wonder that they now saw Peter and Paul also performing as they had to stop the bad Jesus from what he was doing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. I also noted that they were very bold. Because scripture said they looked at the man intently. You know, eyeball to eyeball, as, you, as, as we will say it. That was because they were filled with the Spirit of God. And even though the men were very educated, they were not afraid. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The essence of identifying these qualities, you know, is as we identify them, we ask ourselves, are these qualities in us? Are we exhibiting these qualities? If you look at Acts chapter 2 verse 41, before 42 where we started, the Bible said that then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then he now, they now continued you know, with the teaching and all those things. You know, the, the fundamental thing is that the, 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 the disciples then, the, 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 the early church then, they first encountered the Lord. They heard the word of God, they believed the word of God. And they had conviction. And it was because they had encountered the Lord, and because they believed, and because, you know, they, they knew whom they believed. They knew what they believed. And that was why they were able to stand by that conviction, despite whatever happened. So, you know, today we ask ourselves, in the church today, have we encountered the Lord? Do we know whom we believe? Do we know what we believe? Do we have the confidence of that conviction that yes, I know him and that is why despite whatever is happening, I can stand with him. Praise the Lord. You know? And then, you know, apart from being, having encountered him, you know, they continued in fellowship as we said. Continued in fellowship with the Lord and with one another. They continued with the apostles teaching. They were steadfast in prayer. They had unity of purpose. You know, they they shared what they had with one another. Nobody said, this one is my own. Nobody was maybe saving money for the ninth and tenth generation of those that are yet to be born. No. They saw themselves as one. One person's need is the other person's need. You know? And that was why nobody lacked. Because the rich, they were able to help the poor. You know? and, and then whatever the poor could do for the rich, the, the poor would do it for the rich. You know? they, 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 they lived together. You know? You know, they, uh, in, had things in common. You know? And then... You know, they preached the word of God with boldness because they had the spirit of God and they were in constant fellowship because actually boldness does not just come like that. It's as a result of relationship with the Lord, you know. And then they were able to perform signs and wonders. The Lord was able to use them. And, and, and it was not surprising that men were added to them daily. The Bible said that the people feared them. They were afraid of them. They saw that they were clearly different. Clearly different. And that was why, you know, they were able, the Lord was able to use them to bring souls to the kingdom. And then they were able to silence false prophets like Elimas. You know, like today. Are we even able to identify, identify false prophets? There are so many of them all around, you know, in the different churches and the rest. Performing miracles and doing wonders and all those things. And people are hailing them as the great, you know. But this one, this Elimas, he was doing all those things until... Those that knew the Lord came in contact with him. They were able to silence him. And then the proconsul believed because he saw clearly the difference. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. So we'll go to question two. Is the church today different from the early church? 
2 Timothy 3, 1 to 8. If you see the place you read. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 8. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 8. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of them of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captives, silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind reprobate concerning the faith. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. There are a whole lot of them here. They said men shall be lovers of their, their own selves. Selfishness everywhere. If you see what's happening today, people are just all about themselves. If you find yourself in a position of power, it's not about what you would do for the people. It's all about yourself. In our places of work, we are all selfish. We are not looking at what we can give to others or to the society. Selfishness, covetousness, how do I amass wealth? It's all about self. Praise the Lord, yes. From, from where she read, you discover that um, the, all the things written there is the direct opposite of what we saw in the first century church. That um, it was about what will I get? It's about who I am. It's about self. Unlike the first century church that people were sharing, unlike about the first century that people were depending on the word of God. All about this, uh, not about this first century church that the power of God was evident and everybody knew that something was happening. But where we just read, we discover that everybody is just looking for what he will gain. And that is what we see today. People are opening churches not because they want to preach the word of God, but because they want to make money, they want to make name, they want to be rich, and they want people to hear their name, and so on and so forth. So a lot of things there, they are the things that we see today in our churches. So it's very, very different from the first century church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Any other thing from that passage? Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, was, I also want to point out that in the early church, there was sincerity and they were all doing all those things in gladness. So, but today we are lacking sincerity in today's church. Sincerity has actually gone out. People do things for, you know, vain glory and also they, they do it having another thing in mind which God also searches the mind. So, sincerity also has gone out of the church today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Any other thing from that passage? Yes. Now we look at verse 5. He says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and we are one to turn away from such. If we look around our current day Christianity, it's almost rife. There is so much noise, everybody is there, pasmaga everywhere, which has made so many to go to all kinds of diverse ways to get there, in quote, power. We have a lot of talk, 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 but there's nothing coming out. When there's no righteousness, there's no way the power of God be made manifest. Unless we begin, and that's why we have a lot of elements like things happening around us. Indeed, God needs to help us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, from our contributions we can see that um, there's a clear difference between the church today and the early church. You know, like if you start from that um, First Timothy, from that verse, from verse one, you will think the Bible is talking about unbelievers, those that do not know, that don't know the Lord. When you now come down to verse five, you know, you know, he's actually talking about Christians. They have a form of godliness, an appearance of godliness, appearance of knowing God, 
But they don't allow the word of God to influence their lives, to influence the way they live, you know, and all that. And they're ever learning, ever learning. Like she said, if there's a time that knowledge has increased, it is now, you know. So many new, new revelations and all that. A particular passage, you can get up to 20 and 30 interpretations of it and, you know, revelations, so to called, you know, about it and all that. But yet, you're not seeing the impact. It's not changing our lives. It's not changing the world around us, which is what our lives are meant to, you know, to do. Praise the Lord. So there's a whole lot of difference. And that is why in, verse, in, chapter, in question three, we will see what the Lord will help us to learn from the early church so that um, the church today will become what uh, it is meant to be. Praise the Lord. Revelation 3, verse 1, and then 15 to 17. If you see the place you read, Revelation 3, 1. And then 15 to 17. Revelations 3. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, This thing said he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and acts death. 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I will thou what cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods. And have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. So here, there is a clear distinction between the church of today and the church of the early and the early church. Like in the verse one, the ending there, he was saying that that they think that they live, but they are dead. He used the word act. Yes, breathing, but in action, death. And then the last verse there was telling us about our materialism in the, in the church of these days, church of 21st century. Because that's saying I'm rich and increased with good. So that becomes like the standard of this church of this century and not on spiritual things. But God sees the church of this century as wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Any other contribution from that passage before we go to the next passage? Any other contribution from there? Yes. Hallelujah. about lukewarmness. In the early church, it was quite evident that they were on fire for God. Unlike what we see these days in the church, a lot of complacency on seriousness when things of God are concerned. That's one very important characteristic of them. Praise the Lord. Yes. You know, the church today has a name that is alive, but truly, in the, in the, in the real sense of it, there's no life in her. You know, because if there's life, she will influence her society, but there's no life. And then secondly, there's, just like she said, lukewarmness. You know, it's not like, a, you're not an unbeliever, but you're a Christian. But then let's see the, 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 the qualities of, um, of being a Christian in you. Those things are not there. So it's like you're neither here nor there. And the Lord said, I mean, it's even better. If you're cold, it will be clear you're cold, and then efforts will be made to make you hot. Uh-huh. You know, but if you're lukewarm, I mean... You, People are not sure where you belong, you know, whether, you know, you're part of them or you're not part of them. And that is actually what is um, happening today, and we pray the Lord will help us. And then this quest for materialism, like competition with the world, you know, I mean, who will be richer? Yes, we're, we're, we're sons and daughters of the king, you know, that's usually what um, is used, you know, to justify our quest for materialism. We're sons and daughters of the king, and we're not meant to be poor. Quite all right. But do you go, go for it just by any means? You must get that riches, you know, whether it costs you your relationship with God, whether, I mean, it's at the expense of your life and all that, must you get it? No. If the Lord gives you riches, 
find good and fine and then you use it for the purpose for which um, he has given it to you. But not maybe damning your soul to get rich and then, and, and then maybe putting your trust now in those riches instead of uh, in God who is able to help you. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. And then the, 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 the third passage, Philippians 3, 18 to 19. Philippians 3, 18 to 19. For as, for as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, from there it's just buttressing what other passages have mentioned. Being so concerned about the world, materials, worldliness, even though we are or we profess to be Christians, yet there is really no distinction between how the world pursues their thing and how we pursue the things of the world. There is no evidence in our life that these people have really been with Jesus. So it's still talking about worldliness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Any other contribution from there? I think, um, just like he said, from the other passages we read, you know, we've identified um, some of the things mentioned there. You know, and um, we really pray that God will help us. God will help us to drop every form of um, worldliness, materialism, you know, and focus on him so that um, the purpose for which he saved us will be accomplished in Jesus' name. We'll go to question three. Question three, what lessons can we learn from the first century church? Acts chapter 4, 18 to 20. Acts 4, 18 to 20. Then they called them in and in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen. And heard. One of the lessons we should learn or we must learn from the early church is that they were convinced of what they believe. You know, today we profess a lot of things and we are not really sure. That is why when some policies come up, we easily fall because we are not really convinced. Imagine a situation where there is a ban on maybe evangelism. Because you are not really sure, you won't make any more efforts to evangelize. That is conviction. So one lesson we must learn from them is that they were convinced of what they believed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Another thing we can see from there is that they were not afraid of suffering. Suffering could not stop them. They stood their ground. And they, even if you threatened to kill them, they will continue to do what they were doing because they were so convinced. So suffering was not enough to stop them. Even uh, there was a passage we didn't read in question one where I talked about the church that received the message of the gospel even in suffering and they were standing. So what marked the first century church out which we should learn is that suffering could not stop them and suffering could, it should not stop us because once we encounter a little difficulty or challenge we say where is God? God has abandoned me. Let me fend for myself and survive for us so God will understand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, something... Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One thing I understand here too is that they were steadfast in what they were doing. Verse 13 of the same chapter 4 talked about their boldness. In the same verse we are talking about, he's still talking about their boldness. They were never winning and winning all this time. But this time they are steadfast. So the difference is in those days you saw people who were steadfast in what they were doing. Today's Christianity circumstance made people to change in whatever they are doing. So that is not the account you give of some people yesteryears that you are going to give today. And this is the epitome of today's Christianity. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Yes, from, from that passage, we could see that um, they were convinced of, of their belief. It was not maybe, they didn't believe in any fairy tale, no. 
They knew whom they believed in. They were convinced of what they believed in. And that was why they were able to stand. You know, and I pray the Lord will help us today. And it is something that every one of us should go back, sit down, ask yourself, what do I really believe in? What do I really believe in? Because if you do not know what you believe in, if, if another thing comes up tomorrow and, and looks like that thing that you believe in, you, you might be tempted to believe that one also. And definitely things will keep coming up. Things will keep coming up, you know, and all that to challenge our faith. And if we do not know what we believe in, whom we believe in, we will be carried away by every wind of doctrine. So it is something we must establish. We must, you know, we, we've not even really started suffering. Thank God for people down here. Nobody is really, dis- nobody is really disturbing us per se, you know. If it's all those people, all those uh, places outside where they don't allow them to, it's only for this, um, because there's this epidemic now that um, uh, worship, coming together to worship, you know, is a, is a big challenge. But before, we could freely worship. We could freely go about evangelize, do the things you want to do as a, as a child of God. But there are places that people were, are not free to do that thing. And if they're, if they're not convinced of what I mean, you, for you to really, you know, take the trouble of going through suffering and all that, you must be sure of what you believe in. You must be sure. And that is why today, each of us must sit down and ask ourselves, who do I believe in? What do I believe in? Is it what am I dying for? Because like it hasn't come to death now. But a time might come when it will come to death. If, it, if that time comes when it will result that you give your life for it. Am I in a position to give my life? That belief is it strong enough that I will give my life for it. And we, if we cannot answer that question, we must stay in the presence of God until he gives us an answer. Praise the Lord. Because it was a quality of the early church. It was one of their qualities. Praise the Lord. And then Acts 29:34. Acts 29. Acts, Acts 4, 29 to 34, sorry. Yes. Acts chapter 4 from verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word. To speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform miracles, miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One of the lessons there is that challenges pushed them to press. Okay. To 34. 32 now. All the believers we are one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. 34. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. One of the lessons there is that challenges actually pressed them, or caused them to press deeper into God. Unlike our time, when when we have challenges, we tend to shut ourselves out from the Lord. But then, when they were having those persecutions and similar things we are having now, they found way to really press deeper into the Lord. Any dimension they maybe didn't know before that time, they pressed into God more to know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. I just want to point out that in 29, the prayer was, Lord, behold your threatenings. And grant unto thy servants boldness to preach your word. In today's church, the prayer might have been different. Asking God to remove those challenges or even ask them to die by fire. But we can see that they, they asked for boldness. That despite this, they are threatening. Because the truth is, God may not cause them to die. Yes. But those threats will still be there. So we should learn to ask for grace to be able to still stand despite those stress. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Praise the Lord. In verse 32, said, Neither said any of them that ought the things which he possessed was his own. They had this uh, orientation and mentality that whatever belongings they had was not their own. So you can see, you can spot the distinction between 
that um, first century church and the church of today. Um, we are crazy about material things. And the fact is that uh, if, if we are going to eschew the spirit of mammon, we must also have this mentality that whatever possession we have, whether cars, houses, money in the bank, they are not our own. And uh, if we don't allow God to own the things we own, the things we own, we own us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, I will come to you. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, something struck me in verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. The church of today is not sensitive to the need of the brethren in the congregation. The church of today is selfish. You, somewhere in the Bible they say you tell somebody, God bless you and the Lord be with you and you have food to give that person. That is not Christianity. It's way, way, way off it. You see a brethren that is in need and you can do something, you will not. So, the church of the first century, we are sensitive to the need of the brethren, seeing that everybody does not, nobody lacks, so that they can concentrate on things of God. So, that's a lesson the church of today should learn from. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. If we look at the prayer they prayed on from verse 29 to 30, the 30 part, he said, By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. The first of all was the preaching of the word. And following the preaching, the signs and wonders will come through the name of your holy servant Jesus. The opposite seems to be what is happening now. All we are looking for is the back on Eme. You know, hey, everybody has fallen. This one. They fall, they wake up in the same level of unrighteousness. And then we see so many signs and wonders in quotes. And it's been so advertised. That is why there are a lot of bad speakings now. Why don't you go to all the places that are keeping people in COVID and go and lay hands on them? Is it that God cannot do that? God can. But you see, we have so bastardized the name of the Lord. We have so trivialized it. Everything is like, hey, okay, hey, talk like this. We have removed the emphasis from the Lord Jesus. We have removed the emphasis from where it's supposed to be. Where, whether we live or we die, we live or die for him. It's not compulsory that we will lay hands on the sick and the person. And yet the Holy Spirit is there. That we will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. We have testimonies of that. You see, our emphasis shifted from the truth to the signs and wonder. And that is why we have derailed a lot that has led us to all sorts of unrighteous deeds just to bring the miracles to come. Because we have moved it from being done through the name of the Holy Servant Jesus and not through ourselves. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Though she has said a bit of what I wanted to say, but I want to also point out that whatever we are doing by God's power and grace, we should be able to recognize that it is Him that is doing it through us, not by our own power. Because they always pray, asking God for grace, for enablement. So today's church should learn to continue to abide in Christ and in His power and His strength. That it's not by our making or the way we speak English grammar and so on that is happening but by his power and grace. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes, mommy. Especially in verse 31. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So I can see here that they took time to pray. 
know, because most of our, you know, most, uh, the kind of prayer we hear now in the church, I don't think is this kind of prayer. Bible says they prayed earnestly with all their hearts, sincerely, and that the place was shaken. And I believe that if we can pray that kind of prayer, I know that this our maybe the pandemic or the situation we are into now, that definitely the kind of miracle or the shaking. God did then, will also happen here. And Bible says that those people we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Many are times when the church we say we are children of God. But so many things, you know, we do them in the flesh. All of them, no exception, say they we are filled. Which means all of them there, they we are filled. My prayer is that God will help us to come to this level. Because most of the prayers we do, we just pray in the flesh. We pray our own in a language. But if we actually pray in the Spirit, definitely, miracles, signs and wonders will follow our preaching and then our work with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, just to add to what mommy said, with respect to the way they prayed and the way we are praying today. If we go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse um, 7, Hebrew 5, 7. The Bible said that, talking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. You know, some other translations will say, with deep cries. And, you know, the, the kind of prayer that Jesus himself, or not just um, the apostles or disciples, but Jesus himself, the way he prayed in the days of his flesh when he was here on earth, he prayed with vehement cries, with deep cries, you know, with earnest, there was this earnestness about, you know, the prayers that he prayed. And God heard him in that he feared. And if today we pray the same way, God will hear us. And like, like mommy said, you know, sometimes we just pray, okay, let us pray. You're looking at your nails. You're looking at, your, looking at um, the, the clothes you're wearing. You're, you know, looking around and all that. No concentration to, to even talk about them um, praying with fervency, you know, and all that. But if we look at the, 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 the way the, the early church prayed, the Bible said when they prayed, the place shook. If they were praying all those casual, careless prayers, will the place have shaken? No, the place wouldn't have shaken. But they were all focused, focused on the Lord. They had burden. And you know that burden moved. They prayed with burden. And that was why answers were coming. Answers were coming. God is still the same God. He still answers prayers and all that. You know, if we come to him the way we should come to him. Praise the Lord. So it's something that we should learn from the early church. And then the, the last passage there. Acts 5, 40-42. Praise the Lord. Acts 5, 40 to 42. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were accounted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every household, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. When I read this place, I was just imagining what would happen if all of us marched out to do what evangelism or say we say it here. And possibly some people were beaten. And in fact, next month, second Sunday, you will count how many people that will be able to go back there to preach. But here I see a group of people with conviction. In fact, if you chase them from this place, you're going to find them in New Market. And they counted themselves lucky. These days, we suffer small, small affliction like this, and we are asking Chukwenokwia. And they said, daily in the temple and in every house, they never ceased to preach, uh, to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So despite the beating, despite all the persecution and everything, they were able to stand. So we need to learn. In fact, we need to go back to drawing board and ask God for that level of conviction, being able to stand. I believe in this thing. I am going to defend it. I am going to fight for it till the end. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes, Reverend. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I, I actually, and I'm, I'm shocked. I, I just try to imagine it. 
that, like my sister was saying, we have gone out to evangelize and we've been beaten and flogged. And instead of us to be going home crying and complaining, we are going home shouting, jumping up and rejoicing. Hey, thank God we have been flogged for the sake of Christ. You know, it, it actually touches me so much and I, I, I just cannot phantom it. I can't imagine it. Uh, these days it is not like that. May we truly return to what it used to be in the name of Jesus. And I just quickly also want to say that if you notice, they told them in verse 40 that they should, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. So the, the issue was not that they should not speak. Uh, if you like, just go and say something that will not save souls. But once he came to saving souls, don't say it to, don't say it to. You know, so, but they went on. If you look at that last verse in verse 42, they said, preaching Jesus as the Christ. Their preaching was deliberate. It was purposeful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm so challenged that these people, they were warned, don't speak again in this name. But they continued, you know, if we liken it to what is happening now, many people even fail before because now some people are already so far in as much as that even before we had maybe they started locking us out or whatever. Some people they've already gone so far. This one is not a human being maybe beating you or you know but this one is maybe a virus. Many of us we've in fact we have decided not to come again. But look at these people. They were suffering. They were beating them, giving the real physical beating. But they were still there. But most of us is only hearing the name virus. We have already gone. So at times, you know, when we are going through this, and I say that this God is not a small boy. We didn't know about this pandemic. And look at what God has already prepared for us. So, if we are running away from a virus, what of if we face this kind of situation? What are we going to do? So we must apply it to our present situation and really assess in our lives. Am I really a child of God? Because this is time for us to really know if we are Christians. It's not a matter of some people who say, hey, the, uh, obey the authority of this one. But who do you really believe? These people, authority of the other day, they said no way. But they continued. Because they were ready even to die. Even if he's dead, let us die. And they didn't die. Because when you determine to die, God will deliver you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Like we said, the essence of the study is for us to the essence of the study is for us to sit back, examine our lives in line with the lifestyle of the first century church. So look into the word of God, see how they lived their lives, and then ask ourselves today, is it you know the way we are living our lives? And from, from the study from the qualities that were identified in question one, we saw that the foundation was that they all encountered Jesus. They heard the word of God, they believed the word of God, and they repented, and they started fellowshipping with the Lord and with one another. And individually, it is time for us to ask ourselves, have we encountered the Lord? Have we repented of our sins? Are we walking with him? Do we have fellowship with him? Then to now talk about fellowshipping with them, one another. Because we can actually fellowship with one another without fellowshipping with him. You know, you just come. It, you seem as if it's a social gathering, you know. Because the, be, being part of the church is the in thing now. Nobody wants to be identified as um, an idol worshipper or anything, you know. You, you belong to, to a church, you know. But the, the foundation, the, the basic thing there is, have you encountered the Lord? Have you encountered him? Do you know him? What is your conviction? May the Lord help us to go back and settle some of these things. And then to, 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 to also, you know, imitate them. The way they pray, praying with burden, being concerned about one another, Seeing the needs of others as their own need. You know, it's not like we know, you know, like um, some today, you know, some of the reasons we give for maybe not helping others. There are some of them that they don't want to work or some want to come and rip others off. Yes, we know there are some that it's not as if they are Christians and all that. They will just 
come into, into a congregation looking for people to you know, get things from. But that's not even that. If somebody has decided that is the way he wants to live, that is between that person and God. You do your part as a child of God. And then you leave the consequence to God himself. Praise the Lord. You know. And then, you know, they, they, they preached the word with boldness. Because first and foremost, they have been with Jesus. They have learned under his feet. He has told them what to say. His spirit is inside of them. They were not just speaking of their own, not to fulfill all righteousness, no. And we ask ourselves today, have we been with the Lord? Have we allowed him to influence us? Do we have an appearance of godliness and deny the power? Do we ever learn and never come to the knowledge of the truth? At the time, we should be teaching others. Are we still being taught? Do we still need that we should be taught? These are the questions that we ask ourselves and we pray that the Lord will help us to provide answers. Praise the Lord. You know, and then as we do that, we will see that preaching will be natural with us. It will just flow naturally. Even without your even talking sometimes, you know. The next person, you know, the Bible said in, 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 in where we read in that time, Philippians, that those people, I mean, people around them, they were examples unto them. Even though they received the word with affliction and all that, but the way they were carrying about their, their, their life and all that, they were able to be examples to others. People looked at them and then they imitated them the way that they lived. May the Lord help us today that we'll be examples unto others so that um, they, will, they will come to the knowledge of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then, you know, the Bible said that in that Acts, that the people, they feared them. They, they feared to join them, you know, because they were seeing what, you know, the things happening. Like the case of Ananias and Sapphira. They saw how they came, they lied and all that, you know, they, they were judged. And so before you join them, you ask yourself, I mean, do I really want to abide by the principles and standards of these people? And then you convince yourself that you're able to abide by that. Then you, you join them, you know, you don't just walk in carelessly and walk out carelessly, you know, not like today, that somebody will come in the same way the person came in, the person will go out the same way and all that, you know no fear of God, no guidelines no principles, nothing may the Lord help us in the name of Jesus you know, and I, and, and I believe that by the time we begin to do that you know, the Bible said they had unity of purpose it was not like um, this person believed this one, the other person believed the other one, no they all believed one thing, the focus was one thing Jesus is our focus today, Jesus. Let the Lord help us. If we all focus, believers today, we all focus on Jesus, not ourselves. You know, like uh, some will say, oh, this man of God, that man of God, it's no longer even what Jesus is doing through that man of God. It is now the man of God himself. No. In those days, they were not after, after people. You don't, you know, it, it might be true Peter, it might be true Philip, it might be true whoever the Lord chooses to use, the Lord will use that person. Nobody was putting um, whatever of um, this big man or that big man or that uh, and all that. No, the focus was just Jesus. They had a singular purpose, Jesus. May the Lord help us today to go back and focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. He's the only one that will help us. He's the only one that will save us. He's the only one that will change the world. Even this period that um, the world is in their need of salvation, you know, and deliverance and healing, is only Jesus. He's only Jesus. He's no other person. And may the Lord help us to do so, so that, you know, the world will be saved and the name of the Lord will be glorified in Jesus' name. Jesus is the answer. For the world today, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no Jesus 
can we open our mouths to pray and ask the Lord to help us? It's not just for us to identify the qualities of the early church, identify what is happening today and all that. How does it apply to us? Can we pray and ask the Lord to help us? When I was you know, preparing this study, I was asking myself, ah, ah, this is how this, they were doing this. Is it the way I'm doing it today? This is what they believe. Is it what I believe? This is the way they pray. Is it the way I'm praying today? This is the way they evangelize. Is it the way I'm evangelizing today? Do I have the boldness that they had? Do I have the conviction that they had? Am I ready to die for the name of the Lord the way they were ready? Do I rejoice in affliction the way they rejoiced? Can we pray and ask the Lord to help us? Can we ask the Lord to help us? Can we ask the Lord to open our eyes to areas that we're not getting it right? Can we ask the Holy Spirit of God to walk with us? Our introduction told us that the first century church, the Holy Spirit was their oxygen. He was their life support. Is the Spirit of God our life support today? Do we depend on Him? Does He tell us what to do? Do we allow Him to guide us? Or do we believe we know what to do and we go ahead to do it? Father, help us. Lord God, we plead with you to help us. We agree that we have a name that we are life, but we are dead. Lord, we agree, O oh God, that we are lukewarm. We agree with you, O oh Lord God Almighty, that we say that we are rich, but we are wretched, we are poor. We need help, O oh God, we need help. We need help, Lord, help us. Help us, O oh God, for the sake of Jesus who died for us on the cross. Help us. Lord, help us. For the reason for which you took hold of us, King of Glory, that we may take hold of that. Help us, O oh God. Change our lives. Change our thinking. Change our belief. Grant us conviction, O oh Lord God Almighty. Help us to live for you. Help us to live for you, that we all focus, King of glory, Lord, on you. On what you taught us. Despite whatever is happening around us. And Lord, we believe you, O oh God. And as we help us to do that, that Lord God Almighty will be examples unto others. And the dying world, Lord God, will receive life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.